Veterans Path, helping veterans find peace, acceptance, transformation, and honor through practical tools like meditation and mindfulness, physical and outdoor experiences, and a community of camaraderie. I'm John McCaskill, a Navy SEAL commander turned mindfulness teacher. Here on the Veterans Path podcast, I interview veterans, athletes, corporate leaders, and many others who found peace through the practices of meditation and mindfulness, breaking down the stigma of pursuing mental health and making it a priority, improving and saving lives. All right, good morning, good afternoon, good evening, good day. I'm John McCaskill, your host, and thanks for tuning in to the Veterans Path Podcast. This podcast is just a piece of what we do. Veterans Path is actually a nonprofit working to introduce veterans and active service members to meditation and mindfulness, typically in outdoor settings, so they can rediscover a sense of peace, acceptance, transformation, and honor. And that's where the word path in our name comes from. And the point of this podcast is to make people more aware of what we do to increase support of Veterans Path, increase attendance at our retreats so we're able to help more veterans, and finally, to reduce the stigma around mindfulness and meditation and seeking mental health support. Listeners and viewers, if you're enjoying the show, please give us a review or a like and share this show with anyone and everyone you think could benefit from our message. Also, you can directly support Veterans Path by clicking on the support button on the podcast or by visiting veteranspath.org forward slash donate. Today, my guests are husband and wife team, Tom and Jen Satterley. Tom is a highly decorated combat veteran from one of the U.S. military's most elite units, Delta Force. He has been involved in and led some of the country's most important military campaigns to include the battle for trade in Black Hawk Down. Jen was an award-winning filmmaker and photographer for 15 years, spending the last three as director of film and photography of an elite special operations training company fully embedded with the Navy SEALs, Green Berets, and Army Rangers. Tom and Jen co-founded All Secure Foundation, a 501c3 helping special operators and their families heal and reconnect on the home front after the trauma of war. Stay tuned as we're going to find out a lot more about Tom and Jen and All Secure Foundation, all here in today's episode of the Veterans Path Podcast. All right, welcome back. As mentioned in the intro, my guests today are husband and wife team, Tom and Jen Satterley. All right, welcome to the show, guys. Great to have you. Thanks for having us. Yeah, thanks, John. We appreciate you having us on. Yeah, so like I mentioned just before I hit record, basically we're just gonna talk uh, very casually and and uh, get into conversation about you know your backgrounds, personal lives, professional lives, and then we'll get more into the the All Secure Foundation uh, here shortly. Uh, and I, I'm kind of just going to bounce between the two of you and then you guys answer however you guys feel free uh, or feel fits. So as far as uh, your guys' personal lives, uh, Jen, let's start with you just because you're on the left side of my screen. So I'll start with that. Jen, where did you grow up and, uh, and what did you do when, uh, uh, you know, as you were growing up and how did you decide on the profession that you were going to go into? I was the kid who actually had no direction. I wanted to do any and everything. So the joke is like, what does Jen want to do this year? And <laughs> I, it wasn't that he, I even didn't take up these interests passionately. I did. And so even when I was probably in fifth grade, I decided I was going to be an archaeologist. 
Wow. And so from then on, you know, all the way up to high school, everything had to do with studying Egypt and places around the world to high school. I decided, nope, to be a National Geographic photographer, went into arts. Um, so I, yeah, I had a lot of different passion and interests. And I think ending up in advertising, which is where I spent 12 years before I worked in special operations, allowed me to kind of dip into different cultures, different mindsets, other people's paths. Um, I learned so much from different companies and cultures. And so I'm so grateful for those experiences that I had. And um, they made my experiences richer, for sure, and my life richer. And the friends and people I met who came from every different walk of life and just um, really gave me an interesting perspective on the world from communities, Haitian communities down in Dominican Republic um, to, you know, working with sports marketing companies and Ironman athletes. So kind of ran the gamut. And then I started working in special operations alongside Tom here. And that was a totally different world. Shocker. <laughs> yeah, that was the right. pendulum couldn't have swung any further in the opposite direction. But so how did um, that come to be? How did, how did you go from what you were doing and into working with special operations? So I said no three times, the magic number four. I'm Tom's <laughs> wife. I'm, I'm the fourth wife, and it was the four no that got me too. So I think my last, my last wife. <laughs> Let's not put a number on it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you said number two didn't count, so we'll just go. <laughs> yeah, it was a blip. <laughs> um, but I was, um, I was asked to work um, on a project directing. So I was a film, I also did a lot of photography and film work and had spent the last nine years really focusing on photography, uh, film production. I was a camera girl. So I shot a lot of action, uh, did sports marketing. Like I said, I was working with Ironman world champions. So I was used to moving and uh, that translated, they thought to military experience, like, hey, you shoot action, you've shot sports, you can shoot these guys in action too. And I'm like, I know nothing about special operations. I know nothing about the military. My dad served and was out before I was born. Um, so there was always an appreciation and a love for those who served, but I didn't know anything about it. So I said, no, no, no. And the guy was like a former ranger. And he's like, I've already put you down. You're coming. <laughs> and then if you don't want to do another one, you don't have to. And I'm like, all right. So I ended up loving it. Absolutely loving it. And then actually brought the idea forward. Hey, do you guys shoot? on, you know, I'd heard about these RMTs. They were telling me about them. And I said, can I come and film one of them? They're like, no, that's <laughs> not how it's done. And um, Tom actually was like, you know what? We've had, got, we've had combat camera along with us on training, you know, all the time. Why not? Why not bring this into some of the other teams? And so um, the first one I went on, my entire card was erased. <laughs> They weren't, uh, the ranger group did not appreciate the it. The guy in the dark on top of the Connex, I said, hey, shoot that silhouette with the guy with the weapon. You can't see any numbers. You can't see who he is. It could be anybody. It could be an actor. And of course, some first sergeant, I don't know, some young officer or sergeant major first sergeant didn't like it, yeah. saw it, didn't, didn't know that a cameraman person was there when they paid for it. Um, and literally said, you need to delete all that. And I argued with it for a little bit. And I looked at it, I go, we're not going to win this one, man. So just, he's like, I want to watch you delete it. I go, you're getting a little bit in her face now. You know, this is a little bit much to be deleting these cards and watching her delete these cards when it was just a silhouette. But yeah. she was paid to be there to take video and pictures. You know, it, was like, uh, it only made me want to do it more, though. I'm the girl <laughs> that, like, 
My, uh, I had an art teacher once tell me, art chooses you, you don't choose art. And I had a, you know, middle finger up on the way out the door and ended up <laughs> busting my butt to get to the hardest art firm in the country and sent her a little letter with my letterhead once I got there. Nice. But so, well you know, thank you. I actually just said, thanks for the push because that's what it is for me. If somebody's like, nope, you can't do that. So I asked Tom, I said, can I go on another one of these? I want to do this again. Yeah. And um, so that's what started. And then we kind of built it into a program where AAR footage was included. So started doing that for yeah. about three and a half I mean, years. That's, that's really valuable if you're, if you're an operator and you have the opportunity to look back on well-filmed footage. I mean, I know that we have cameras all over some of our our shoot houses and uh, some of the villages and cities that we have, but you never really can piece it together because it's, <laughs> it's just filmed automatically. So having somebody behind the camera and, and giving us true feedback, uh, I think that's super helpful. Tom, what about you? Um, how did how did you, where did you grow up and how did you get into uh, special operations and, uh, and everything else? Yeah, I'm, and I'm starting to think that no child has direction. I, I had zero <laughs> direction. Um, <clears throat> I grew up in Columbus, Indiana. I mean, I was, uh, and I just ran around in the woods and, and swam in the lakes all the time. I had no direction of my life. And when that I came- That is direction. <laughs> yes, <laughs> <Well>. I agree. <laughs> For a child, it's perfect yeah, direction. Yeah, true. I had a great time. And uh, I didn't know what I was going to do. I was building houses. Uh, you know, I was going to be in the medical field, and then I was going to, then I was in construction. And, and one of my best friends joined the Army that summer of 85. Oh, my gosh. And uh, he came back from basic training and he was telling me all about it in our car ride up to Indianapolis, about an hour long car ride to a John Cougar concert. And he's telling me about basic training. He's going to Germany for two years. Yeah, I don't know I'm like, it. man, right. I'm going to sign up. So I literally went to a recruiting station. I told him I wanted to be in the medical field. And he's like, how would you like blowing stuff up and, you know, building stuff? I go, well, yeah. He goes, you need to be a combat engineer. And so that's, you know, that's what I did. I came in, uh, I think I four years I signed up in and out. I'll get some college money. Started off at Fort Leonard Wood, went to Germany for three years, and then um, you know I went to different schools in Germany that changed my my per, my uh, thought of the military. My original thought of the military was I have to get out. Yeah, this is this is not taking me anywhere. I don't. Most of the people I work with just did their thing, and you know we're off at the end of the day, and then and did it every day. It didn't have any drive and. I got to go to German Ranger School, French Commando School, platoon confidence training. It's just, I was like, these people are different, man. These are, this is harder, but it's, it's more exciting and different. And I adopted a friend of mine's dream. You know, he carried around a picture of his dad holding him in his arms, wearing his dad's green beret. And he's like, I'm going to be a green beret. And I'm like, yeah, me too now. I'm going to be a green beret. <laughs> that sounds good. And uh, <laughs> so that's the first thing I did. I fought to get to Fort Bragg. Uh, you know, I, I re-enlisted for jump school just to get to Fort Bragg found the Green Beret recruiting station, got that immediately, and um, went through the process of SFAS, the Q course, and I was in language school, and some guys approached me and said, hey, you want to go to the unit, you know, started, told me about a little bit about it, and I went, well, that sounds cool, I'll do that too. So <laughs> what I, is that first? Yeah, I, so I put in a, yeah, I go, what is that, you know, so they kind of told me, put in a packet, got selected for uh, selection that the next fall, so I, and I packed up and moved to fifth group after language school for about two months, maybe three months. And in that three months, I went to selection, came back and made it and went back to Fort Bragg, you know, PCS back to Fort Bragg for the rest of my career, you know, and spent 20 years in the unit, just uh, never looking back. I, I don't know what happened, you know, I was going four years and get out and go to college. And, uh, you know, I, I it just, uh, it just kind of took over me really. 
Yeah. Yeah. And, and you ended up being the command sergeant major. Uh, yeah. Of, of D squadron starting up our fourth squadron. Um, nice. On D-Day. On, on D-Day. And, oh, wow. uh, and it, you know, it was, it was, it was a great honor to do that. It wasn't what I wanted to do. I wanted to keep kicking doors. I didn't want to move yeah, up, sure. you know, right. And then sit behind this desk and then, Oh, by the way, you know, become a squadron star major. And I'm like, well, I guess that's cool too. We're all, we're <laughs> deploying now. So I'll, I'll, I'll go do that. But then they said, well, we need a fourth squadron. And I went, what, wait, what? So I had to spend a year buying things, find, getting three different squadron personalities to come together yeah, and, and agree on one set of SOPs in one squadron. I'm like, you guys work it out. I'll be back when you figure it out, man. <laughs> I got tired of it. And, uh, and it was fun. But then at the end of that, I just, I didn't deploy with them. I hear they're doing great things, but it was one of those. Oh, no doubt. Stand them up, do all the backside work. And then thanks, you know, so. <laughs> but it was good. It was a good experience and it, and it carried me into retirement, you know, with the, with the lessons I learned. So. And then the two of you, you guys met when Jen came to do some filming for, for yeah. D Squadron or for, was that before? No, it was, uh, it was first for a, um, <clears throat> it was actually for like a commercial that they wanted done. So at that time I was still working in the commercial sector and um, it was a former unit guy had a company. And so I was literally hired to, um, to film a commercial. And then on this, he had another uh, company that did military training. So I really got interested on the other side of the fence. And that's where um, I think Tom and I didn't talk our first couple of times we even met. She almost didn't get hired because the first time it was like, cut, we need to do that again. We need to do that again. We need to do that again. And like three in the morning. I thought, talking somebody, about me. I thought somebody was going to shoot her because <laughs> we need to do it again. I'm like, what do you mean do it again? Well, your foot wasn't, well, how do you know? You don't do it. So it was one of those tired 24 hour oh, sessions yeah. of she's like, I'm going to get the footage. We didn't know that the, the guy that owned the company was pushing her. He didn't want to pay her more, you know, so he was trying to get it all done in a short time. Yeah. So we were about ready to choke her to death, but <laughs> she got it done. And, um, and we, and when we saw the footage, it was really good. So I thought, well, if you can keep up and keep up with these guys. So I ended up grabbing her and I'd put her in a place that run up to do a door charge and I'd move her behind a beam and go, don't move from here. Keep your camera. Be right there. Do not move from this spot. You know, you'll be <laughs> safe here. And I, I'd do that from target to target, room to room, to shoving her in the back of a schnook for the first time at night, you know, in a parking lot of a VA hospital with guy with, with SEAL team loading up in the back with their dogs and said, sit down on somebody will take charge you inside. Just keep looking through your night vision camera and video it and just oh my God. do what they tell you. It and don't was so worry awesome about this, the, the hydraulic <laughs> fluid or anything. It's normal, you know? I, I must have looked like a total nerd too because these guys are all at the end of an exercise and just wiped because this was like three weeks, I think we were with them and it was the final iteration, the final embassy takedown. There's an, a real ambassador playing an ambassador who's sitting across from me and then all the team guys and I'm like beaming from ear to ear like, this is so cool. I'm in the, you know, and I'm smiling and I've got my night vision. I'm pointing it at them. They're pointing, you know, looking through theirs back at me. And I'm like, don't wave at them. But I'm like, good job, guys. Awesome. Don't interact. Don't, don't. But this is super cool. And then one guy just grabbed me by the back of my neck and, you know, sat me down in a spot. And then the other guy switched with me so I could see out the window better. And I'm like, you guys are awesome. <laughs> but you were talking about quality footage. We'd tried footage before. You know, everybody can do footage, right? And yeah. GoPros. And, GoPros. You know, you get this footage right here. 
Is yeah. it on? No, let me yeah. turn it on. <laughs> Boop, and that's the only footage you get because they turned it off. <laughs> yeah. Lots or, of or, hey, there's a red light on your helmet. Cover it up. The enemy's going to see us, and then they turn it off, and you don't get any yeah. footage. So she was instrumental in finding locations and spots where guys like, I didn't do that. You're like, well, you know, footage yeah. number whatever, an hour into it, you know, here's your spot where you did do this. Yeah. And, uh, and they learned a lot from it. So nice. Nice. So then, uh, you've, you've kind of shoved her in the back of that Chinook. Uh, and then after that event, you're like, Hey, let's go out to dinner. <laughs> how, how, did yeah. that, how did that happen? <laughs> yeah. You know, it was wow. kind of funny because it's kind of a sad pickup line, wasn't it? <laughs> <laughs> don't worry. I, 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 I don't even know if you had a good pickup line. You saved them. Yeah. I wasn't very good at this it's stuff. Not, you know, you had a totally lame, but we, we ended up becoming friends. We were both going through divorces. We were both going through tough times. He, his transition at that point in time, I think he was at rock bottom. I mean, he was really there and I kind of was struggling. So we, we formed this friendship and then we would go out on, um, mission training because we were in separate states at the time in fact until we got married we lived in separate states so it was a two-year long distance relationship where we really would see each other on these exercises <laughs> and then occasionally i'd visit fort bragg or he'd come to st louis but yeah it was i think it was nice because it formed out of friendship and you know out of a common pain turned into something better so nice. i think my pickup line was a linkedin thing where i it was i didn't even know what she looked you like. friended me on linkedin yeah. and i'm like so i friend everyone on i don't think it's called friending either but that's cool man i didn't know <laughs> yeah but i, oh, I saw God. her picture on linkedin and i didn't really remember what she looked like and uh attention a to friend detail. of mine was telling me about her you know you said good looking girl i'm like oh the asian one he's like no the, the blonde i go what blonde you know and and uh I, I he told me your name. I looked her up and I went, oh, man. But hey, I take that as a mark of professionalism because that National Geographic part of me was like, don't ever get involved. Don't ever let them know you're there. Be the fly on the wall. So I was yeah. kind of like, cool, it works. Nice. <laughs> I like to be invisible when I need to be. But Well done. Yeah. Well done. So then how long have you guys been uh, been married? Five years. Five years. And, five and, years. Uh, and then All Secure Foundation. Um, how long has that been around and what inspired you guys to found that? It's been, well, we officially started looking into a nonprofit and kind of um, going through the process of like, can we do this? Should we do this? What's involved to do this? Um, I had been working with Tom for the last three and a half years and to this point, and it was literally the last iteration we went on um, was in July of 16. It was my last, you stayed on another year, but I told Tom there was a few SEAL team members um, and we had worked with this team quite a bit. And so there were two members that didn't come back. And so when I asked like, where, where are they? And they're like, oh, you didn't hear, you know, we lost a couple guys and it just hit me. And I said, you know what? I told Tom, I said, I don't think I'm cut out for this side of the fence. I said, I have learned so much over the last three and a half years, but my place isn't training guys to go off to war. I want to train guys how to come home from nice. war because I don't see that happening and had become friends with so many, you know, people over the course of the years, both spouses and team members who were just struggling and fighting for their lives. And I'm, I just couldn't stand by and watch it. And at the same time, Tom's fighting for his life. And so 
I thought, you know, we need more help. We need more hands on deck. There's a lot of great organizations out there. Um, we partner with a lot of them. We love to work with other organizations, but we felt like um, we, we couldn't turn our back from what we were seeing. Um, Tom had lost a couple of friends to suicide, mm -hmm. um, even more friends uh, in the unit that were suffering quietly um, and really tanking. And so I just got to work. I started researching how to start a nonprofit. I went to health coaching school. I wanted to have a better understanding of biology um, and how PTS affects the, the body, mind, spirit. And so in 17, we officially filed, uh, started it up as a resource library. We just really wanted people to have a place to go and feel like, okay, I could come here as a SEAL or a Green Beret or Ranger, whatever it is, whatever experience I'm going through, I feel a commonality that I'm not alone in this for one. And for two, there's help, there's resources wherever I live. I mean, we, we work with guys in Afghanistan who are active or South America, wherever you are, you can take healing um, and you can take the responsibility for it immediately. Uh, and then we started developing programs uh, until COVID, but <laughs> same here. <laughs> even there, we, you we love COVID. Yeah, we, uh, we're doing some more local things now, but. So what are those programs? What, what does all secure foundation do you mentioned it was a resource library to start what is it now what does it evolve to now yeah when we met it was um it was an awakening for both of us i think um yeah she's like you, you know i was talking to so and so when he lost two of his friends you know i was talking to this guy or that guy and and his life his wife's leaving him is you know he's screwing his life up his kids don't know him he wants you know we'll reconnect and i'm going oh yeah oh yeah those poor guys you know and then she realized it was, it was all of us. It was me too. And I was like, Oh yeah, those guys need help, you know, and, <laughs> yeah. and doing what everyone else does. Yeah. I'll, I'll help you any way I can. Or anybody need help, but they need help as well. You know, right. and they don't ever admit it with themselves and started taking that self-awareness. So we realized that it was hard to find help for me at the time. So we started out as the resource library. Here's an easy place to go for people who don't have time to dig. Um, so we did the digging and it was kind of, it morphed into more when people started calling and, and, and after, after my book, she's like, you need to write a book. I'm like, no way, <laughs> not happening. Never going to happen. Um, here, read my lips. No. And <laughs> it took me a year and a half to get him to write the dang thing. And the, and the point was it, it was, you can reach people this way. Um, mm -hmm. it's about, you know, how I was struggling. And so it, it bonds people who are struggling and we started getting calls and, and messages. <laughs> and texts about, well, if it's okay for you, it's okay for me, I'm going to admit it. And I'm like, wow, this is working. So it just started growing. Like we need to take a step, start talking directly to these guys and gals, you know, and, and talk to the families. And, and we saw so many veterans going off and, and, and so many people called me, you want to go hunting, you want to go fishing, you want to go do this, you want to go to Disney. And I'm like, oh no, I'm not going to Disney, man. I've been <laughs> to that Disney once. once and I saw nothing but <laughs> meltdowns and it was, I almost had one. You did good. You did good. So, we started to realize that the vacation is a very stressful time for the family. And, and it could be very stressful when we started seeing the spouses, when the, when the veterans would come home, you know, refreshed and, and they're like, I'm glad you're refreshed. You know, what about me in the same time amount of time I've been home, keeping this house together, right. Keeping these kids going, you know, so we wanted to work on the entire family. So we moved into talking and then brought in a therapist and started running retreats. You know, we're doing 12 couples at a time on a retreat over a four day retreat where it's interactive and, and you're getting tools to work on your relationship. We're yeah. forcing you into positions where you get to use those tools on dates and during fun events during the day. 
And instead of just being on a vacation of fishing and hunting, you're having fun with your spouse together. And sometimes with the team. And, 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 and yeah. in, in, in groups as well, but we break it off individually as, and, and we try to keep it to where they're working on their relationship. They're seeing each other in action and learning from each other. And then when they go home and they're alone, they can help each other. Nice. And they're left with a binder. Yeah. So it's, you know, here you've gotten a start, you know, here are some more tools to take with you when you leave. We do an accountability check-in, make sure everyone's doing okay. But it's pretty profound what can happen in four days when you focus on it, you know, and I think a lot of all the guys, every single guy that came except for two on the first one was like, I, I kind of got drug here. Like the wife wanted to come. <laughs> I didn't want to do one of these marriage fun. retreats. And I've been on those before with my unit, you know, or my group. And all I do is fight with my wife the entire time and get drunk. And, you know, I'm, I, I just didn't want to even come on one of these. And I thought it was going to be PowerPoints and, you know, we're doing things like boating and hiking and, nice. you know, skeet shooting and, um, <clears throat> allowing them four or five hours for whatever they want to do golf. It doesn't matter. You know, we provide all of it. It's fully funded. So they're able to relax in a um, beautiful wilderness environment, um, and really connect and reconnect because what we want is for the spouse to be the forever battle buddy. You know, Tom talks about it. He said, I, I don't talk to that many guys from the unit anymore. I see you every day, you know, like you're part of my life. You are my right. life. Right. That was my life before, and I put it before. That's why I'm wife number four, last wife, because <laughs> last wife. one, two, and three right. were like me or the unit, and we saw where that went. So yeah, I've been there. <laughs> I yeah. totally get it. You know, we and we've 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 tried to tell people, and it's not just veterans, right? It's anybody right. who, who who attains a job at a certain level that they have to put so many hours into it, and so much work into it, and dedication to be that good at anything something gets left behind and it's always the families uh, ceos i mean anybody professional, professional athletes, athletes have the same, the same same depression you know yeah. it's uh it's that loss of tribe yeah mm -hmm. uh, I, went, yeah. I went through a program um at, at dartmouth their business school they have a, a program called tuck next step where they bring in elite athletes and then they bring in transitioning service members and at first you're like well, what do they have in common but and and when i went uh like day one you've got all the uh, service members on one side and all the athletes on <laughs> another and they're all talking but then like day two they they force us to sit next to one from the other side right so like a military member is sitting next to a, an olympic gold uh gold medal athlete and uh and you just start talking you're like wow we have a lot in common we've sunk you know a great majority of our lives into our careers and now, and now we are having to transition. There is a transition with that military. There is a transition with that athlete. Uh, and like you mentioned before, there's also a commitment there that uh, not a lot of others understand. Um, and you have to quite often in the military on our side, you, you have to put the, the military first. Otherwise, you don't get trained to the level that you have to and people die. And, um, and very few people understand that. So uh, totally, uh, I, I understand it. Hopefully our listeners understand it. And, and if those who are listening now don't understand it, hopefully you will after this conversation. Tom, how was your transition? Speaking about that, how, how was that for you and when was that? 
man, I muddled through it uh, until it got worse. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and then when I hit bedrock, I found a jackhammer and tried to go deeper. <laughs> it <did>. was uh, <laughs> in true know, Tom fashion, go all in, right? So yeah, uh, when I retired, it was December 2010 was my, that was my last day. And I had no plans. You know, I'm going to go fish and I'm going to relax for a bit. You know, I'm going to give it some time. I think five to seven days later, I was living in Amman, Jordan, and I was working at Casadic. And oh, yeah. I was like a range guy there, you know, and yeah. I was like, this is horrible. I'm making a lot of money, but this stinks. And um, I got asked by Casadic. It, it was a nice place. Yeah. And uh, I got asked by General Harold, who was the manager there at the time. He's like, hey, I want to start up a program training the Jordanian army to be special forces qualified. Can you do it in a three month block? I'm like, Oh, <laughs> six months and three months. Sure, man. We'll have to cut out the medical stuff for sure. But you know, my <laughs> basic first aid. Um, but you know, develop this program. It's going to be 30, 90 days long. I got to hire 10 other SF guys to run this thing. You know, and I'm thinking, Oh, I'll just build an SF team. And I was, I told him, I go, I'm not the guy for it. I was in the unit, man. I wasn't an SF guy. I went through the Q course. I didn't live the SF life, man. So yeah. I don't have it down. Like you're the guy you got to do it. I'm like, all right. So build the team. It was great for a year and a half training these guys working, you know, for Prince Hashem and King Abdullah yeah. running these guys too. And the, and the, the greatest accomplishment was teaching 98 out of 100 Jordanians to swim. Wow. It took <laughs> all of the 90 days, by the way. Uh, that is what I remember the most of it was land nav was fun too, but you know, you could box them in, but swimming in a, in a, in a pool in a Mon Jordan, it's, it's ice water because they pump it straight out of the desert. And so you jump in and almost have a heart attack. And then you got to hold these guys that don't know how to swim. And I'm like, no, you show them like, uh, what? And it's so 90 days. The, the thing that they loved the most was that they learned to swim. Yeah, we had guys come from the desert, better ones that would run five miles without shoes on. And I noticed there were no shoes. I'm like, hey, you have to wear shoes. All right, why? I go, well, I don't know, because you have to, man. <laughs> Uniform, you know, you're keeping up with everybody. <laughs> so it was, it was fun. But when that dried up, um, you know, I'm doing the same thing, making money. I'm partying. I'm having a good time, living in a, a con apartment in, you know, in Mont Jordan. And then that went away. And it was like, what now? And it was contract work. It was a little here, a little here. You know, other than meeting her, it started turning into a nightmare until it morphed into, oh, training guys right before they deploy were the last thing they see. You know, and I thought I was loving it, but man, I was crashing on the inside. I'm still drinking, partying, um, and just hiding everything. I mean, it was just hiding everything, smile on my face, but inside I was black and and it started to show. And then um, the one day we were in Ohio and I was just two of my good friends in the car, you know, one really good friend, one, one new friend and, and Jen was in the car videoing, pulling parking garage in Ohio. And I'm like, all right, Hey, I got to make a phone call. My buddies head out, you know, they're heading to the bar. She's like, Hey, I'll see you in the lobby. We've got a meeting later. I'm like, yeah, yeah. Okay. And I pulled my pistol out and I was done. I was, uh, I was like, what am I doing? You know, what am, what the heck am I doing now? I lost my tribe. I lost, uh, you know, I had a son. I didn't know. He didn't know me much. I was divorcing and I just thought I was a burden to society. So, you know, I charged the weapon and all I could think of was I feel sorry. You know, I'm OCD freak. So I'm like, I feel sorry for the rental car company for what I'm about to do. 
and do I put it in my mouth or the side of my head? Because I don't want to. I don't want to injure myself. I've I've heard stories of the gas yes. and the pressure, and you don't do it right. I'm like, man, I can't screw this up because that's embarrassing. Yes. Meanwhile, my phone's vibrating, you know, buzzing, 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 and I'm like, Jesus! And finally, it was enough. <laughs> I looked at it, and it's like, you're late. And I scrolled back. I was like, hey, are you okay? You know, blah blah blah. It was all her. And then it was finally, you're late. And she knew that whatever it was, if I was late, I would I would not like that. And so I literally cleared my weapon, put it away and took off and met her and didn't tell her for a couple of months um, or longer. I don't think of what, what I was, what I had done that day. I think I just kind of thanked her one day for saving my life. Yeah. And then told her the story. And she's like, there's way too many, way too many people like this out there. And it was way too easy to stop you. Yeah. Yeah. You know? And, and so during our research, I found a story about people that jump off the golden gate bridge and not many people live, but there's a group of them that have, and and every single one of them, they say when their hand left the rail, they regretted it immediately, immediately. and could cool. not take it back. Every single person interviewed that and, survived said, as soon as they're yeah, as soon as they jumped or left, they, that struck me that they hadn't. You're talking to a dead person, right? Right. That gave up. That that is still here now, and they tell you, don't do it. It's you regret it. And it's not worth it. And. Uh, and so we took that kind of thought process. And then I said, man, there's so many people like me. And, and if I didn't realize it, because I was hiding it, there's so many more hiding it. And uh, they came out of the woodwork. People come out of the woodwork and they come out when we go in bursts of media. You know, when we, when we put our oxygen mask on for a bit and we take care of ourselves <laughs> and disappear, yeah. we don't realize it. And then when we come back on, it was like, where have you been? Oh my God. And they jump at it. And, and then you hear from people like, man, I was, I was really tanking. I was going down. And so it's just that voice that people hear that feel like they're part of a tribe and part of something and, and cared, cared about, right? Yeah. We all want people to like us. Yeah. No matter what we say, we all want people to like us. I don't care. Yeah, right, right? If yeah. you didn't care, you wouldn't even have said anything. So trying to take away that false conversation, that fake conversation that we put out there to, to make ourselves feel better, to look and feel better when really we don't. Yeah, you know? yeah that's part of what we do as well as we... Um, mainly spend our time at Fort Bragg right now, but um, are starting to travel a little bit more, but we do PTS resiliency. So basically we're, we've gone in with the brand new Green Berets, brand new. I mean, he raised his hand. He's like, how many of the- Yeah, so we were the first time we went to Fort Bragg. Um, we, yeah. we talked about what, two, 200 maybe? Yeah, maybe 150. Maybe 150. And it was just a mix of, you know, newer guys, guys getting ready to go to selection, guys getting ready to go to language school or something team so sergeants. team starting time whatever but um and, and then the instructors and we talked to them the next time we went back it was 600 or more they, they packed the room and now they said we need to go to the auditorium and which guess is a great sign i guess word spread um, sometimes you feel like you're wagging your finger at the little kids too much you know and you're making <laughs> yeah. them feel bad like you will feel this you know because i know that they're sitting there like i was and i, I and like i don't prep we go to talk, we don't prep. We know what we're going to say. It's, it's going to be what the room needs, you know, and what the people yeah. in, the, in the room need. And I'm only going to talk about our experiences anyway, so I can't make it up. I don't need to study <laughs> it. But it was all about bringing them together, about if you have an experience that you will, so here's a tool for your tool bag for when you do, right? Because you will down the road. You're in yeah. special ops. You're going to see something. I don't care if you're support for them or, or what, you're, you know, or, or attached. You're going to see something. And it's not going to be good. And then I ask every room, you know, how many of you are either associated with or know directly someone who's committed suicide? And the entire room's hands go up and it's uh, every single it's, hand. It's so sad that that many people know. And it's always the strong, silent ones that nobody knew. 
Yeah. And the only way to reach those are to keep that communication going and, and, and reach out. And I say every day I, I go out and I either drive or I fly my drone. And while I fly my drone on my phone, I text or call five people that I know just to reach out. And, and you know, now we're those people like, hey, what's wrong? Why, yeah. why are you calling me? And I'm like, oh, no, no. Just or you get friends, calls and they're man. like, I'm all right. Yeah, and I'm, I'm right. like, oh, I was just calling to say hi. <laughs> like, yeah, I don't need any help, man. I'm like, oh, I can't talk to you if you don't need help. So <laughs> just keeping that conversation going and people yeah. feeling like they're still part of a group of something that, you know. So important. Because it's hard for them to get out in their communities and go reach out and talk to civilians. We've lived in our neighborhood five years and I don't, we don't know any of our neighbors still really. I mean, barely. Yeah. We know several, a couple, but it's, it's a decent sized neighborhood and we don't, just people don't get out anymore, you know, and, uh, and interact. And yeah. even during COVID, we started even yeah. more doing online and, uh, or by phone therapy or counseling since it's state lines, it's counseling with our therapist for free to help people because COVID is, has driven the suicide rates up from 22 oh, a day to 28 a day. So it's oh, geez, uh, really, I, I didn't realize it was that for, in amongst the veteran community. Yeah. If you think yeah. about it, you know, if you don't have a job to go to and you're getting bored and depressed, you start drinking Can't earlier, drink Can't. earlier in the day. And then yeah. it's not even five o'clock it's noon or, or you wake up and you're drinking and, and alcohol, 89% of it is, is uh, suicide or is attached to about uh, 89% is attached to alcohol. Yeah, and al alcohol or drug abuse. Yeah, or drug abuse. So a lot more of that going on since people have a lot more spare time. Yeah, yeah we've heard a lot of the, um, I'm too bored and I'm drinking too much and now it's gotten out of hand and the spouse is getting, you know, agitated and shouldn't be doing this in front of the kids anyway. And so that shame shows up in a really big way. Yeah. And um, nobody likes to deal with shame. Warriors really don't like to deal with shame. So We've had a lot of calls on like, hey man, give yourself a break. It's okay. We don't we don't need to talk about that. Just let's talk about where you want to get going to. You know, right. we it's okay. You've done what you've done, but we don't need to live and sit in it. So yeah. what do you want to do instead of that now? Because yeah. the thing that's really difficult for people to understand, especially during COVID, is if you want to break a habit, you have to replace it with a new habit. Yeah. So when people are like, I'm just gonna stop drinking, I'm like, what are you gonna do instead? They're like, Well, I'm nothing. I'm just going to stop drinking. I'm like, that doesn't work that way, you know, or, you know, I, um, I'm going to start running tomorrow. And I'm like, tomorrow will never come. I hate to tell you, like the way that your brain works, the way it functions. Uh, Mel Robbins has a great program um, called the five second rule. And when I read that and fully understand that the way the way the brain functions is it looks for pleasure every single time and it will yeah. pick that comfort zone over um, anything else. So if alcohol is a comfort zone or not working out is the comfort zone, your brain will self-sabotage within five seconds. So if you have the inkling of action, you've got to take it. Yep. And so that's what we really work on too. Like, okay, let's not work on tomorrow. Let's work on something you can do right now today. For sure. And you start feeling better and you start feeling that validation of, okay, I've got this. And we talk about it all the time. You're the most highly trained people on this planet you know special operations you guys crack me up i don't know how to do that and i'm like you've been taught everything man. you've yeah, been everything. around the world figuring things out and you can't yes. figure out your family right I, you got it tackle it like a, a foreign internal defense mission or something man whatever you got to do you know do your planning cycle do mdmp whatever sets you off and gets you going use that in your relationship at your job because you have the tools yeah you know we just give them we, we, we talk a lot about awareness yeah. And communication, you know, self-awareness, what's wrong with me? Why am I blaming people or, or how do I really feel and why do I really feel this way? And then communicate it 
And when people start doing that, it sounds so simple, but when we talked to him and and forced him into doing it by, you know, nudging them, even in an hour with our therapist or us on the phone, they'll call back and be like, I don't know what's going on, but I was bawling in 20 (laughs) minutes and I bawled for 40 minutes and I loved it and it was woo-woo-y and I don't get it, but it it worked. I'm like, I know, right? You don't need to share your war stories with another another combat veteran, right? You're just going to compare war stories. Share it with somebody who can give you some idea of what that means now, you know, yeah. what you're going through now. That that past, it, it got you here and it gave you tools, but it don't don't mire in it. Don't don't wall. I, I talk about that high school touchdown pass. It, man, I threw that high school, man. You're 50. Yep. Okay. <laughs> I hope you've done something since high school, right? That was better than that. We're living our 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 special ops careers. Will it ever be that again? No. Yeah. Can your mission be just as important? Yeah, hell yeah, mine is. I know ours are, right? Helping other people, be yeah. a better version of yourself, whatever that is. Helping um, anyone be a better person. There can't be a better job out there, really. I mean, right. I love it. Yeah. And it saved my life. Yeah, for sure. Helping others saved my life. Yeah. It, well, it sounds like Jen saved your life and then and then helping others has saved your life. So that's that's a phenomenal thing. I mean, not much better than that. So uh, next thing I want to get into is, is your guys' books. Uh, so you both have books. You've both mentioned them a couple of times through the, through the show. Um, Tom, can you start with your book uh, and what's it about? And then, uh, and then what inspired that? Sounds like it's tied to All Secure. Uh, so tell us. It is. Um, <laughs> yeah, the title's All Secure. And it was yeah. just, it's that it's yeah. call sign we use when the, the hit's over and everything's yeah. settled down. You can have that moment of uh, relaxation. And uh you know, the book is, is not about me. It's, it's some combat stories to get you in. You know, it talks about Black Hawk Down, you know, October 1993 and what my version, what I saw and went through. A little different than the movie because it's, you know, it's another pie, piece of the pie that you're looking at that combat you can't, one, one guy can't tell a story of a, of a battle. Sure. Um, so, you know, it's what I went through there and some of the things that I went through there. And then a, a little bit about missions along the way around the world and then it takes you to the Saddam capture. But mostly what you'll find out in every chapter of the book is, is how it broke me down, how it destroyed me, how I let it run my life um, and how I let go of my humanity, my empathy and compassion, and then how I got it back. And, and when you read it, you'll, you'll find out that the real hero of the story is Jen, you know, obviously stopping me from what I did bringing me out of the depths, everything else I did, I was trained to do. People taught me that that's easy. You know, your job was always easy. They, they showed you what to do. There was a book to read if you had to, to figure it out. And then when I went home, I didn't know what to do. All I thought about was going back to work. So it's about balance in your life. It's about um, meaning what you say. You know, my family means more to me than anything, yet I never come home from work and I, I divorced three wives over it because they <laughs> right. meant more to me than anything, right? Well, what I should have said was my career means more to me than anything because I've spent so much time at it, so much hard work and dedication. I'm a professional. I can't drop off now. The guys need me. All those things you tell yourself to stick around. Um, and it was basically how this side of the fence can destroy you unless you keep aware of it. And here's the tools that I use to get back out. Yeah. Yeah. That's it. Pretty much it. I'll I'll put a link to that, uh, that your book in the comments. And uh, it sounds like one I definitely need to read. uh, And one many of my friends uh, who are still in and soon to be transitioning out 
continue to read. Uh, so we'll uh, we'll definitely be promoting that. We like to say I hid the peas and the brownies because uh, you know <laughs> it, it's some war stories. It was Delta, you know. Well, okay, it doesn't say Delta. Um, that way I could tell the stories. Yeah, Delta said don't say Delta, and you can keep it. Yeah, like it's, that. It sounds Fine. better to say the most secretive <laughs> unit in the world. Oh, what's that? You know, yeah. yeah. Who cares? Heck, I know? didn't even know what Delta. Nobody knows what Delta is. Anyway, you. It doesn't I was matter. Like, what is what is that? But I've heard so many times where people read them like, oh, I thought it was a chest thumping book, and I'm so glad I go back and read it twice. Or I read your book every day. I get a message or two. I read your book. Thank you. Um, if you had to go through that, then you're not a superhero. Thank you for breaking that myth of people think we're all superheroes, right? And yeah. They give you that armor shell when you get up there, and nothing affects you. And and really, probably the most affected group of men in the world by uh, the horror that you see. You know, I equate it to law enforcement. They see the the scum of life they have to deal with every day. You become bitter, um, and how to get past that because you'll right. you'll remain bitter the rest of your life. Yep, definitely. And then Jen, still there? Yes, okay. sir. Yeah, sorry, uh, oh. <laughs> my Wi-Fi might not be that great. <laughs> it's my first time using this <laughs> network. But anyway, so Jen, uh, your book and and then your separate nonprofit. Can you tell us about those? Yeah, absolutely. So my book is called Arsenal of Hope, and it comes out on February 16th. So it got pushed back from November due to COVID, but I'm kind of grateful the way everything's been going in 2020. I'm, I'm glad my book was pushed to 21, like fresh start. <laughs> let's, yeah. let's do it that way. Um, so Arsenal of Hope, Tom's book started the story on All Secure Foundation. Um, but really what we wanted, and it, and it helped so much because people really could identify with his story and they could see themselves in his struggle. Um, people who have made it to the other side learn new things or say, hey, yeah, I went through that too. Um, but where Tom and I both felt um, his book wasn't lacking, it just needed another. It was like, okay, we need a volume two because we need to tell what are the tools, how to get out of it? Like I wanted a practical application kind of book. I'm a self-help junkie. Like it looks like Barnes and Noble section at my house, like every Brene Brown book and Gabrielle yes. Burns, I've got them all, Tony Robbins, you name it, been there, done that. Yeah, there's probably six of them oh, on, this, <laughs> on my desk right now. But um, so I'm like, well, I want a self-help book for PTS because I grew up with childhood PTS. I didn't even know I had it until... Um, I was seeing, a th we were seeing a therapist together and she was like, well, you know, you have complex PTS too. And I'm like, no, wait, that's a military thing, right? Like, um, it's the way it's always been explained culturally is, you know, that's the guy under the bridge. Oh, he has PTSD, you know? Yeah. And she's like, oh, well, you had a really abusive childhood, you know, and, and some trauma. So yeah, you haven't really dealt with that either. So I wanted something for the spouses. Um, a large majority, I would say. Um, I always hate giving numbers because I'm kind of a nerd person with like 89%, but a large number of spouses I've talked to have felt isolated, alone in it, not understanding what's going on with their husband or wife. Um, and they also come from trauma. So a lot of the spouses I'm talking to said, yeah, I have childhood trauma too. Yeah, I had a traumatic incident. And I would start saying, well, you have complex PTS too, then it sounds like. And they're like, no, no, same as me. I'm like, okay, we've got to work on both sides of the fence here. Because what we were seeing is we, we would send veterans off to get help. And they would, they would come home and they're like, oh my God, I feel so much better. And the wife's like, I have all of this trauma that's unprocessed from childhood. 
plus what you put me through the last 20 years, um, our kids through, and I don't know how to deal or cope with it. Um, not only what's going on with you, but a uh, vast majority of wives have uh, depression and anxiety issues as well. So I'm like, I'm going to do a book and I'm going to address it all. So really a lot of our dirty laundry came out on the table. We had to talk about it like, Hey, I want to put it out there. You know, everything that I saw in special operations, everything that we went through, um, I think it needs to be said. And, and I think also we need tools to address those things that are getting brought up and how to deal with it here, you know, five or six things that you can do in every chapter on how to cope with everything from the physical side of it, lack of sleeping, poor nutrition to um, the mental side and touching a little bit on the spirituality, but I almost want to do that in a whole nother book. Um, So of course I finished one book and last week I'm like, I've got my next book title. Already. (laughs) There you go. So yeah. And then, and then your separate nonprofit is that that's tied to dealing with houses. It is. It's called Virago. Uh, V-I-R-G-A-O. And I was actually going to call my book Virago until the editor, uh, Simon and Schuster and Post Hill were like, yeah, that's not very search engine friendly. We love it. It means female <laughs> warrior. SEOs out there. Yeah. The, it means female warrior. Um, and really, I, I have met some of the most incredible military and veteran wives on the planet. I mean, just so remarkable. Wanted to honor them wanted to give them a safe space where they feel like they can talk about what's going on at home and in their lives. And so many of our members are anonymous. It's hilarious. I get messages all the time saying, I really love your group. I just don't feel like I can be outward in it yet. And that's great and fine, you know, watch from the shadows and until you feel like you could step into the light and whatever that looks like for you is, is great and fine. So, yeah. That's awesome that you guys kind of covered both sides there. And it sounds like if a couple where to pick up both books, they, they kind of get the, the whole pie, if you will. Although it sounds like the spiritual side is going to come in the third book. So yeah, I think so. (laughs) Well, that's fantastic. Uh, I love what you guys are doing. I love the mission. Uh, It sounds fantastic on both sides there. Um, As we're coming to the the top of the hour and kind of coming to the end of the show, what is it that we may not have talked about that you want to make sure our listeners hear? Um, for a lot of people who don't think that they have PTS, we're finding out a lot of PTS is just childhood PTS, right? Brought back on from the traumas of life that you're in. So I hate hearing from guys that I, I went to a therapist and I hated her, so I never went back or I hated him, so I never went back. It took us five because they're people too. Yeah. To find the right one. Um, I, I like people to not stop, right? Failure. Fair is always there, right? Greatest fair is fair to try. So always keep going. We all fail, right? I like to call them lessons. It's when you quit, when you quit, then that's where you stay the rest of your life. If you get back up and keep going, you'll fail again, but you'll keep going. Yeah. Go to another therapist. Talk about childhood trauma. You know, not everybody has PTS, right? Not everybody. And it's, it's a hard subject to talk about it. We're trying to bring it into more light, you know, more a different environment, maybe talk about it differently. And we've, we've taken away things like therapy and things like that. We call it retraining. We're going to retrain your muscle memory because our muscle memory diverts to anger and aggression and get on top of this problem and fix it. Right. That doesn't work out well with the children at home, you know, or the, or the wife, she doesn't want you to, you know, manage your almost to get on top of her manager and, and put your thumb on her and tell her how to do it and save the day really quick. And then in other words, treat her like a soldier. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. How many times do we hear that from people? Don't treat me like your soldier. 
I'm not your um, private. <laughs> yes. the spouses are tough. Uh, I don't think that we, I, I know I, I can say for me, I didn't give my spouses the courtesy of admitting how strong they were for what they had to go through. I, I, right. I saw it with Jen. I see it with Jen. She goes toe to toe with me in my darkest days when I'm at my meanest and maddest and she stood right there and I'm like, okay, that's tough. There's not a lot of people in the world that'll stay there. Now, granted, I won't kill her because she's my <laughs> wife, but she goes toe to toe with the anger and the violence and, and, and the aggression. And I'm always right. And, and, I'm, and you know, stood there toe to toe going, well, if you're right, then our relationship is wrong and it loses. Right. And I'm like, okay, so I'm not fighting for the relationship fighting to be right you know self-help book number four and, and she stands there <laughs> and takes it and watches me change paths and you know and that's why we throw all our dirty laundry out there because that's what people learn from right yeah. they all have their dirty laundry we, you know we yeah. didn't throw all our dirty laundry out there but we threw a lot of it out there and people are realizing that wow normal people have dirty laundry and you have to work through it so right. have a plan like you did for your job have a plan like you plan a route to go somewhere you know it's how are you going to fight with your spouse have you sat down when you're not angry and made yeah. a plan on how, when we fight? Yeah. Oh, that's and I would like to stay out in that no one's alone. I feel like this fight is so isolating and so many people feel alone in the struggle, yeah. whatever it is, you know, um, but no one in this world is truly alone and there's always somebody you can reach to. And so many guys I know who've gotten out are like afraid to reach back to their ranger buddies or their seal buddies or yeah. green beret buddies because they've left and they're out. And I'm like, just two people, just hit up two people this week or give me one, you know, and every time they come back and they're like, it was so good to reconnect. It was so good. And those stories we tell ourselves are false. You know, nobody, they don't want to talk to me anymore. I'm not part of the group anymore. That's your story about yourself. Your friends still love you. They still care about you. They want to hear from you. Um, so reach out cause no one's alone in this and there's always somebody we're here. I know you're here. So there's lots of us that are here. Right on. Yeah. And, and now that you mentioned that, I do want to thank you guys for, uh, the video that you participated in a couple weeks ago after one of my buddies decided that the demons were too much and, uh, and what you guys are doing with all secure is definitely helping to save lives. So I will make sure uh, that I promote your guys' book in the notes, uh, promote All Secure. What else is there uh, that you would like uh, for the listeners to know on how to contact you? Can, is it all through social media? What's the best way for them to get a hold of you? Yeah, social media is great. We're on every platform as All Secure Foundation and Virago. Um, our website has a contact form that goes directly to me. So I made it very specific that it would go to Jen. Uh, Jen will either take it or send it to Tom. Um, or a therapist, uh, Stacy. So she gives it first and then she sends it to me. <laughs> I'm like, this one's for you. Good this one's for me. Here's two more for you. There's another one for me. And these five are for Stacy. So um, just want people to feel comfortable when they're reaching out. It's going to me, it's, it's not going to anyone else. And I always respect everyone's privacy. And so absolutely reach out. There's nothing Tom and I either haven't done or heard. So um, we're often offering therapy <laughs> sessions for, yes. uh, uh, okay, not therapy, cross state lines, coaching, coaching <laughs> sessions from our therapist, emotionally focused therapist. Um, she's amazing. Yeah. Reach we'll out for up to three that we cover via zoom or phone. And, oh. and that's, that's for anyone who needs help. Spouses. She'll too. help find you a therapist in your location while talking to you. So you can continue the therapy. I know some, some guys and some families right now that as soon as I hang up, I'm texting 
uh, to forward your guys' information. So absolutely, she's, so a, she's a unicorn, man. Yeah, I got, I got <laughs> pipe hitters crying when they're done with her, man. And it's, what the hell is this shit? It's, 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 <laughs> she's a savior. We, I mean, we hired yeah. her because uh, when we finally us. found her, she saved us, and we hired her. And so. she hates that. She's always like, "I don't save people. People save people. I just point them in the direction they need to go." So yeah, yeah definitely point them our way, and I will. We'll, well catch thanks. Them. Thanks so much, guys, for coming on the show. It's been awesome. I uh, really enjoyed getting to know you guys better. I've known of you for a while. Now I know. Now I feel like I know you, and uh, I really appreciate your time. I really appreciate what you're doing. So until we speak again, please stay safe and stay healthy. Thanks, John. Thanks. Right. For our listeners and viewers, thank you again for listening to or watching our show. Please check out Veterans Path online at veteranspath.org. We, too, are on social media. Follow us on Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, Twitter, and YouTube. If you're enjoying the podcast, please hit the subscribe button here on the podcast or here on YouTube. Leave us a comment, a review, a like, and again, share it with anyone you feel needs to hear our message. And remember, you can directly support Veterans Path by clicking on the support button on the podcast or by visiting veteranspath.org forward slash donate. Thank you all and have a blessed day. We hope you've enjoyed today's episode of Veterans Path Podcast. Please follow us on social media and think about sharing your story with us there and potentially on the show. Together, we can make mental health a priority, improving and saving lives.